service. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. Just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we're talking about Marlon Brando, Michael Jackson, and Elizabeth Taylor road tripping together across middle America. What? actual what. Plus, my recommendations and your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Brothers and sisters, shaman, let's dive right into Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, one of the greatest actors of the 20th century, an actor who had just a massive impact on the way actors act on screen that you kind of take for granted. Uh, If you wanted to, you could sort of break down American film history to pre-Brando and post-Brando. This guy, in addition to being one of the most iconic actors of all time, and that is no overuse of the word iconic, I feel like that word exists for people like Marlon Brando, Uh, But in addition to all that, Brando lived a wild life. Uh, He once broke a paparazzo's jaw with one punch. He hired private investigators to find his son when a fake kidnapping went wrong. And famously, he nearly sank the production for one of the greatest movies of all time, Apocalypse Now, when he showed up uh, underprepared, overweight, and demanding millions of dollars. It was a big life, a big talent, and a big man, but the story we focus on in our full Brando episode of Badlands is a true crime story. It's the killing of Brando's daughter's boyfriend, who was shot in Marlon Brando's house by Marlon Brando's son. The whole thing, just super weird. And as we cover in this episode, there's a lot about Marlon Brando that was weird. The thing I want to unpack and have a little fun with here in this bonus episode is uh, a little anecdote we get into in the full episode on Brando, and it just is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in pop culture, and it, of course, 
involves Marlon Brando. And, uh, you know, like I said, we get into it in the episode. This happened on September 11th, 2001, okay? So imagine this, all right? At this time, Marlon Brando is at the, I don't want to say the end, but he's near the end, okay? He's iconic, yes, but he's also highly problematic when it comes to being a hireable guy that you would use to front a film while he's in his old age. He's he's very difficult. He's uh, massively overweight. He's basically, he's kind of, he's on the back nine. I don't want to say he's on the outs, but he's he's definitely in the sunset of his career. And he happens to be friends at this time in 2001 with Michael Jackson, which in and of itself is just strange to me. Um, Michael Jackson wanted acting lessons. So, you know, picture this. You're Michael Jackson. You're the king of pop. You're sitting around. You're like, hey, I want to learn how to act. I want to become an actor. Uh, Who am I going to take acting lessons from? And of course, you're like the best. Who's the best? The best ever? Marlon Brando. Okay. If you were taking lessons to be the king of pop, you would go to Michael Jackson. If you're Michael Jackson, you want lessons to be uh, an actor, you go to Marlon Brando. All right. So I'm flying the wall. Just, you know, I'd like to know how that first conversation went. Michael Jackson calls up Marlon Brando and says, uh, yeah, excuse me, man, I'd like some acting lessons <laughs> and what Marlon Brando's thoughts on that were. Um, pretty amazing. Michael Jackson is taking uh, acting lessons from Marlon, Marlon Brando. They're getting to know each other. They're hanging out, all right? Michael Jackson at this time is also, and had been up to that point, famously good friends with another icon, Elizabeth Taylor, Okay. So Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor are hanging out. And Elizabeth Taylor, Michael Jackson, and Marlon Brando are all in New York at the same time when, on September 11th, 2001, the attack on the Trade Center buildings happens. And Michael Jackson, understandably, uh, as most people did, kind of freaks out. And he has... Yeah, this is where it sort of breaks from conventional reaction. Michael Jackson has a, uh, a a major freak out, and he thinks that the terrorists are coming for him, that they're coming for the celebrities. And if they're not coming for him, well, perhaps they're coming for his friends, Marlon Brando or Elizabeth Taylor, since they too are also very famous. They're beyond famous. They're icons, all three of these guys. So Michael Jackson, you know, He hatches this plan to get the hell out of New York City and off of the terrorist radar. Now, all the planes are grounded because of the tragic attacks that took place. You know, famously, you guys remember if you were there or if if not, uh, just letting you know, you couldn't fly after uh, 9-11 for a couple days. I can't remember exactly how long. Uh, But all the planes are grounded at all the airports. And Michael Jackson's freaking out. And he wants to get out of New York City because he's feeling vulnerable and feeling like he's a target. And so are his friends, Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. So the three of them, Michael Jackson, Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor decide they're going to get out of Dodge and drive to Ohio to lay low. I have so many questions. So, 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 so many questions. First of all, who's driving this car? What kind of car are they in? Where are they stopping to eat? You know, there's like, I mean, Kentucky Fried Chicken. What are they, what are they doing? What's the conversation? How are they... <laughs> We did a little research, Zeth did, trying to figure this out. We we didn't come up with much. Um, if you have any information, by all means, hit us up. 
we we get into this a little bit in the full episode, but it just got me wondering. First of all, Michael Jackson hanging out with Elizabeth Taylor is weird. It's not that weird. For whatever reason, Michael Jackson hanging out with Marlon Brando is a lot weirder to me, even though he's taking acting lessons from him. It's still weird to me. And it just sparked this thing in my head. You know, this happens a lot in, in the research on Badlands episodes or when I'm researching Disgraceland, I oftentimes come across these just crazy combinations of people, people who happen to be friends, people who are unlikely friends, famous people, um, celebrities, rock stars, actors, actresses who happen to be hanging out with each other. Uh, you know, just as famous as the Michael Jackson and Marlon Brando duo is the Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg duo. What is that all about? It's bizarre, man. Miley Cyrus and Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips, Bette Midler and 50 Cent. Okay. These are all these sort of completely improbable duos that the world of celebrity, the weird, weird world of celebrity has unhatched for us. But who else is there? Who am I forgetting? Who do you know of? Who are who? What is the weird peanut butter and chocolate Marlon Brando and Michael Jackson combination, celebrity combination that you have? Let me know. Hit me up. What's the weirdest celebrity friendship or collaboration? We did cultural collaboration, so strike that. What's just the weirdest celebrity friendship? As far as I know, nothing came of Michael Jackson and Marlon Brando fucking around uh, trying to figure out the Meisner method or whatever the hell it was. No, no, not no, no, not Meisner. That wasn't Brando saying. Brando was a, a method guy. Um, so, you know, who else, who else is there? Uh, Alice Cooper, George Burns, what else you got? There's gotta be more modern stuff. Let me know. 617-906-6638. I'm going to take a quick break back in a flash. All right, we are back. This is the music connection section of the rap party. We've already established a music connection here between Marlon Brando and Michael Jackson. But believe it or not, there is a weirder slash kind of awesome music connection that uh, involves Brando that I want to talk about here. You may or may not know uh, Marlon Brando was an Afro-Cuban drum freak. He loved Afro-Cuban music and he dabbled in playing the conga drums when he wasn't acting. Uh, but few people know. <laughs> I love this. I love these stories of these sort of like side hustles by these wildly successful at their craft um, artists and individuals. You know, Marlon Brando, who's just like, I'm going to completely reinvent acting and then I'm going to try and reinvent Cuban drum tuning. <laughs> And that's what this guy did. Okay, but few people know this. Marlon Brando actually designed a system to tune conga drums, uh, and he had that system patented. He went as far as I have it patented in 2002, for real. Just So just imagine, just like guitars and pianos are tuned and have different tunings, Marlon Brando spent more than five years working on schematic drawings and trying to figure this out. He had custom drum parts designed with this drumming collaborator that he had. Um, and the system... It would have involved replacing, there's a whole mechanical side of it too, would have involved replacing the four or five bolts around the head of a conga drum, or a conga, excuse me, with a single tuning lever. So it's basically an automatic tuner for the conga designed to make life easier for these drummers. But just, if he, and like I said, he went and got a patent for this, okay? And just a few years after he got the patent in 2004, though, Brando died and the whole thing came to a halt. Um, the... This is, you know, all Brando's work was lost for years. The designs, the drums, all of it gone. 
2011, one of the drum prototypes that Brando was working on was discovered in a storage locker, but according to one manufacturer, they looked into actually manufacturing this, and according to one manufacturer, the idea was uh, practical, but not quote-unquote cost-effective, so yet to be seen if Brando's innovations will ever hit the market, but probably not. Uh, and why do I mention this? Because Marlon Brando is damn interesting. That is why. And, you know, we do these episodes, these Badlands episodes, and there's all this shit we unpack. And, you know, I have to stay sort of in the lane of of telling the true crime story. But there's just this fascinating, these fascinating things that pop up because these these people are so fucking weird in some ways. They're so larger than life and their their lives, they're in, not just their interior lives, they're, they're exterior lives. They're so rich. They're involved in so much. And, you know, I cannot fit all of it in 30 minutes. So I value the time we have here in these bonus episodes to hit on some of these things. Um, and again, it just goes, it goes to how interesting these, these people are. Interesting people make interesting things. And when it comes to Marlon Brando's side of the street, those things were films. A Streetcar Named Desire in 1951. The Wild One in 1953, on the waterfront in 1954. That is just, and then Guys and Dolls in 55. That's an insane run. Add Mutiny on the Bounty, 1962. Okay. Uh, the Godfather, 72. Last Tango in Paris, not going to talk about that, but 1972. Apocalypse Now, 79. And then he, he he doesn't make any movies in the 80s, but in the 90s, Brando hits us with The Freshman, Don Juan DeMarco, The Island of Dr. Monroe, and The Score. Uh, last movie he made with De Niro and Ed Norton. Great movie. Uh, incredible. There are so many great movies here. My favorite, of course, is The Godfather, but what's yours? I, I can't not list The Godfather as my favorite Marlon Brando movie because, because The Godfather might be my favorite movie of all time. I I can make a case, and I've done it in the past, and I'm not sure I want to eat up all of this block with it, but I can make a case that it is it is not just a great movie or the greatest movie, but it might be the first great movie ever made. And real cinephiles will, uh, they're rolling their eyes right now, um, but just hear me out. The take is this. I know I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do a brief version of it. You know, when The Godfather comes along in 1972, I'm not saying that great films were not put into the market and uh, attracted massive audience audiences and had great actors and great dialogue and shifted culture. Of course that happened. And to take nothing away of the filmmakers uh, who made and released films before 1972, but by 1972, when Coppola makes and releases The Godfather, it was at a time when I feel like, this is my opinion, that the art, the artistry, and the technology of filmmaking had finally all completely aligned. That movie was made for a theater experience. It was made and shot in a way that had it been made uh, five, ten years earlier would have looked and felt completely different, I think. Um, and I just don't, you know, I just don't think it, it on any movie prior to that um, captured and hit on all three of those levels. So to me, it's the point when the medium is really at its apex for the first time. It took, you know, however many years, you know, however many decades to get to that point. But to me, that's the first 
great, truly great movie uh, that is timeless, that does not look dated in any way. That's a better way of putting it. There are great movies that come before The Godfather, for sure. So many, by so many great, great auteurs and directors. Um, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but all of them in some way or form appear to be dated in some way or form, unlike The Godfather, which is timeless. Like pick your movie before that and make your case for how it does not come off as dated. Uh, The Godfather does not come off as dated to me. Plus it has all those other elements of it as well that I mentioned prior. So um, I can't, that's a huge, huge sidetrack here, but I can't put The Godfather anywhere but number one in the list of Marlon Brando's films. But if you if you can, if you if you think Apocalypse Now is better or or even Last Tango in Paris or, or maybe even On the Waterfront, which is a great movie, uh, but it's not like the first great movie. <laughs> I'm contradicting myself big time. You know what I mean. All right. Um, listen, forget forget your favorite Brando movie, though. I just made a case for what I think is likely the greatest movie of all time. All right? And this is such a hard question, right? And I don't even know if that's the answer. I, I'm more bullish on the fact that The Godfather is the first great movie than I am it being the greatest movie. But I want to know what you think is the greatest movie of all time. No top five, no ties. What is it? The Godfather, Jaws, Pulp Fiction, um, Star Wars, Gone with the Wind. Give me one. Tell me why. Text me, 617-906-6638. Leave me a voicemail, just like this guy from the 978. (laughs) Jake, uh, you were mentioning movies that were pulled because of something that happened, you know, like whatever. And you mentioned around Kennedy but there was no movies around then. You missed the Manchurian Candidate. That came out about a week before, so two weeks before Kennedy was shot, and it's about a president being shot. It was pulled. And it was later released later on. I think in the original, I'm positive, in the original movie, um, it starred uh, Frank Sinatra. So I'm calling you up from Pepple Mass. You have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for the voicemail, 978. Uh, this seemed very interesting, a movie about a presidential assassination being slated for release at the time of the actual American president being assassinated. We're talking about this, and this voicemail was solicited in the last rap party because uh, we were talking about cultural events that have sort of shifted or impacted negatively the release of films. But I looked this up, and The Manchurian Candidate starring Frank Sinatra was actually released 978 in October of 62, a full year and a month prior to the assassination of President Kennedy. Um, but appreciate your your voicemail. Uh, let me know. Let me know if, if if I got something wrong here in the interpretation of what you sent and what the facts are. But I don't think I do. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. Manchurian Candidate, October 1962. All right. Let's check out this voicemail for the 276. Jake, Big Daddy Disco. This is Rachel from the 423 by way of the 276. That is Northeast Tennessee and Southwestern Virginia. Uh, just wanted to say I listened to the Mel Gibson rap party episode. Fantastic episode. Uh, great rap party. Um, couple things. Winnie the Pooh, the author is A.A. A. Milne. The Christopher Robin is the kid. Number two, love the idea of 
the story told from the aspect of Winnie the Pooh and Friends. I think it's great. Would love to hear it. Um, love everything you're doing. Um, deaths. Not necessarily similar deaths, but an interesting segue. Uh, John Belushi, Jim Belushi, Belushi on Saturday Night Live goes to visit the graveyard. Very first grave he comes to is Gilda Radner. What's amazing here is that he was first to go. Gilda Radner was second from that cast. Don't remember the order of the rest of them, but it's a really cool thing to look at. Uh, also, oh, there was something else. I can't remember what it was now. All right, well, keep up the great work, and if I think of it, I will call you back. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for the voicemail, Rachel. Yes, A.A. Milne, author of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, my off-the-cuff joke idea about doing another Brian Jones episode from the perspective of Pooh and his friends <laughs> uh, was said in jest, but I love that you guys are into it. I've, I've received more than one voicemail. I've received many texts on this. So maybe, maybe if I can figure out a way to get you guys to forget that I said it and then sort of drop it on you so, uh, and surprise you in a way, maybe maybe I'll do that. Um, but in the meantime, let's check in with Candy here from Waco. Hey, Jake, this is Candy from Waco, Texas. I'm just calling to give you a recommendation. The new Nolan Ryan documentary is amazing. It's really amazing. You should try to check it out. Thanks. Love the podcast. Bye. Candy, thank you for the recommendation. I have already seen the Nolan Ryan documentary on Netflix. I talked about it on one of the uh, bonus episodes. Um, but I appreciate this voicemail. I love Nolan's story so much that I'm playing your voicemail here again to get others stoked on watching this film. Uh, and also because I'm just like, like I've said a couple times here in the past, I'm just in this huge baseball mode right now. I'm watching everything. I'm, I'm, I'm deep into the college world series right now. I'm actually more interested in that than I am the Red Sox. But to Candy's point, the Nolan Ryan documentary on Netflix, you can't go wrong. It's great. I encourage any baseball fan to check that out. All right, guys, 617-906-6638 to let me know what's on your mind via voicemail or text. Um, I'm going to read some text now. From the 618 writes, Hey, am I the only person who loved the 1985 movie Lady Hawk? My husband and I thought it was very romantic. A young Michelle Pfeiffer, beautiful Matthew Broderick, I think it was his first movie, and handsome Rudger Hauer. Probably too corny for the young people nowadays, but great people. I would see the remake, and the original music, though, is terrible and definitely tinny 80s style. So this uh, text is coming in response to... Um, I think we were talking about in the Mel Gibson rap party bonus episode, uh, great films, shitty soundtracks. I've never seen Lady Hawk, so I'm just going to take your word for it there, 618. All right. All right, the 765 sends us this text, and it is a picture of James Dean's grave that she took from uh, 1931 to 1955. It says, also, it's James B. Dean, 1931 to 1955. And uh, 765, she writes, this is about an older episode. Sorry, but just wanted to mention James Dean is buried not far from my home. His gravestone usually has coins, red lipstick, kisses, flowers, etc. And people keep chipping pieces of it as souvenirs, which is disgusting and disrespectful, in my opinion. Love all your shows. I'm Cindy, by the way. Lol. Um, that's awesome, Cindy. Thank you for sending. And if you're out there fucking chipping away at James Dean's headstone, don't do that. Come on. All right, what else we got here? 
from the 607. Yes, I'm pumped on this text. Jake, it's GT from the 607. Dude, Capone was a great movie. I loved it. 10 of 10. Would watch it every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those guys, you guys listening know that um, we talked about Capone in the last round party. And uh, I've yet to meet anyone who liked this movie except for uh, this dude from the 607. Now, this is actually the same person who recommended uh, a Discord channel uh, for us to all kind of watch movies in and respond. And I don't know how that works, but I'm happy to get into it. Like I said, if somebody else kind of figures it out and uh, 617 says, hey, I'm more than happy to set up and moderate your Discord. If that's what you need from me for movie nights, let me know. I got you. I'm into it, 607. Let's keep talking. You guys, let me know. Do you want movie nights? Who wants a movie night? What are the movie nights we could do? Heist movies. We've talked about that. Sci-fi. We've talked about that. What else? How do we move this forward? Let me know. 617-906-6638. Text, voicemail. Hit me up. Let's get into it. The 615 text in regarding Capone. Here we go. I tried to watch it and can't understand why it did. Oh, okay. Can't understand why it didn't have a good reception. Good or bad, it was a huge trigger for anyone who has watched a loved one. Okay. Go through a mental decline. What little I did watch was too raw. Uh, let me know when you come back to Nashville. I'll recommend some bourbon bars. Joe in the 615. I hear you, Joe. But it seemed very kind of fantastical as well, which kind of mitigates the rawness for me. But I, I take your point. I take your point. Okay, from the 978, this is the slowest moving text exchange I've ever had with anyone in my life. I'm just going to give you the whole thread, okay? Uh, on June, June 16th, 978 writes, do you put your actual number on your podcast? Lol. Asking for a friend. I wrote back because I write back. I write back or I respond here. I try to anyways. I wrote back, yo, I'm here. What's up, Jake? Uh, and then the 978 responds, uh, that's a delayed response. Happy emoji face. I was just curious why you put your number on the podcast. <laughs> Isn't it fucking obvious? You, you obviously know why you're listening to these episodes. So let's talk about something instead of just why we're talking. That doesn't make any sense, 978. But we can keep slow rolling this. I'll fucking intern this shit all day with you. All right, let's keep going. 714, have you watched Poker Face? It's on Peacock. Very good. I watched the first episode. Didn't love it. Uh, doesn't mean I'm not going to watch the rest of it. 781 writes in, Jake, best summer movies, Jaws, Goonies, Girls Trip, The Way, Way Back, Grease. This is Stephanie from the South Shore, Massachusetts. Stephanie, great list. Thank you. Rebecca from the 617 writes in, listening to the bonus episode. I love the movie Capone. There you go, Rebecca. Love learning about mob, mafia, gangster, and the like. So, yes, loved it. Rebecca from the 617. Thank you. You guys want to text me, 617-906-6638. You can also hit me up at DisgraceSlamPod um, on the socials. One more text here. 910 writes in, Knopfler's music for Princess Bride. Awful. Cheesy. But love the film. It's kind of how I feel. I don't know why I'd say it's awful. Cheesy, I would say. Um, all right, let's do some DMs here, shall we? What do we got? Where's the DM machine? Let's open up the DM machine. Got a little folder here. Can't find it. Sean, bear with me. Edit this as you see fit. All right. At Dustin the Bin writes in favorite summer movies. Jaws. I mean, it's just I'm this is the consensus, guys. Jaws is the greatest summer movie of all time. Is that what we're getting at? Jaws, Breakfast Club. That makes no sense. Is it last day of school? It's not. In fact, it's cold. How is Breakfast Club on your summer movie list? Jaws. Breakfast Club, Grease, Dazed and Confused. Grease? 
I don't understand that one either. Is it the end of summer in Greece? It's not. Days and Confused, it's the last day of school. Is Greece... It's a weird fucking list. Okay, listen, at Disgraceland Pod, that's how you DM me. Um, I did I did a ton of text today. I'm not going to do a bunch of DMs. I'll do more DMs next week. Uh, you can text voicemail 617-906-6638. Um, let me just, before I go, let me just chime into the old Facebook DM here. I, I feel like I'm neglecting the Facebook folks. All right, this is from Brian Earhart Sheldon says, listening to Badlands and with James Dean, I am reminded of the movie Crash, very trippy movie about car crashes. For a movie trip, look at the Terry Gilliam, Monty Python movie, start with Brazil and others he have directed. To read books in the vein of Blade Runner, Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman and Neuromancer by William Gibson. Well, thank you very much. Uh, what else we got here? Let's do some more Facebook. I haven't been in with the Facebook peeps in a while. Anthony Watson writes in, Anthony here, just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy Disgraceland, Badlands, and the 27 Club great content helps pass the day. I paint in a body shop and spend most of the day in the paint booth and listen to the podcast while painting helps pass the day. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. Danny Lucas writes in, love the variety and depth of your programs now. Going back to Carrie Fisher. I don't remember hearing any mention of her role in The Burbs. Not a big part with a lot of screen time, but she was so damn hot in an otherwise under-the-radar movie that it's one of my all-time favorites. Keep up the awesome work, and thanks so much. Danny, you're right. Uh, someone mentioned The Burbs last week, wrote in. We talked about that, but you're absolutely right. All right, guys. Uh, at Disgraceland Pod, the DM, 617-906-6638 to hit me on the text and voicemail machine. I'm going to take a quick break back in a flash. This is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies, the television content, the recommendations part, the part where you send me all your weird and awesome movie recommendations and we discuss the movie recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. Okay. Heist movies. All right. Finally saw Heist, the David Mamet movie that one of you recommended. I can't remember who. It's fucking awesome as... I suspected and can't believe it's taken me my entire life to see this movie and I didn't even really know about it and I appreciate it, whoever sent that recommendation in. Great movie, Heist 2000, 2001, something like that. Check it out if you have not seen it. Also, got into another Heist recommendation from y'all, uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Okay, this is directed by Sidney Lumet. This is uh, 2007, 2006, stars Philip Seymour Hoffman. Stars Ethan Hawke, uh, Marissa Tomei, an incredible performance by Marissa Tomei. Um, just, whew, my God, next level. Um, but this movie, uh, Albert Finney too, I should mention Albert Finney. This movie is a really good movie. Sidney Lumet, obviously great director. Uh, but you guys ever watch a movie and you're like, I know this is really good. I understand why people love this, but I'm not enjoying watching it. That's how it felt. That said, I watched it all the way through in one sitting, so I didn't look away. I didn't get bored. I didn't get up and walk away from the TV pissed off or anything like that. But it's fucking dark, man. It's dark. And it's carried by just what is expert, expert acting. I don't, I don't know much about acting, but I know great acting when I see it. I can't really describe it um, as well as other people can. But Philip Seymour Hoffman in this film and Ethan Hawke are just, uh, they're on another level. 
and it's tremendous stuff. It really is great. Marissa Tomei as well. She is fantastic in this movie, all kidding aside. Her, her fucking, the role she plays, she plays someone who's clearly not as smart as she is in real life. Um, and she, she fucking nails it. And it's not like she's going into the same bag of tricks she went into for my cousin Vinny. It's, it's completely different. It's raw. It's real. Just a great, great, uh, performance, awesome performances, but this movie's tough, 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 but I encourage you to check it out because sometimes tough movies are worth it. Also watching the second season of the bear where I've started to anyways, I've watched the first episode. I've watched the first episode on Hulu and I was happy to be back in uh, Mr. Beef or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, with the gang, happy to be back in the workplace drama, so to speak with the cool tunes playing in the background. Um, but I didn't love this episode. It felt, um, I hope this changes as I get into episodes two, three, four, et cetera. It felt like they've mastered the dialogue and it's sort of like a little cutesy to me, like almost like, um, you know, when a band goes in to do their second record and it's like, they're thinking about it too much or they got too good at playing their instruments. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that is an actual thing. And, uh, I think during season one, the actor's, in this show, and fuck me, I could be totally wrong, right? I have no fucking idea. This is my opinion, but I feel like they're trying to figure it out, and there was something awesome that came out of the sort of like finding, you know, making it up as you go kind of way of creating things. This just felt a little too practiced, a little too rehearsed, a little too, like I said, cutesy, but I'm here for it. I think... Um, the film, the 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 auteur, the 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 showrunner, whoever's behind this show is is onto something really special, and I like these characters a lot, and I'm looking forward to season two, despite uh, episode one being uh, difficult for me. Uh, also, you know, I'm watching Frasier, and I I don't know, I'm just it's my portal to the '90s. I need it. All right, six one seven nine zero six 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 three eight. Your movie recommendations, your television recommendations. All right, at this Graceland Pod, you know how to get in touch. Do it. Let's keep this conversation going. Quick break. Back in a flash. All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, the obvious. The Marlon Brando episode of Badlands is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, we are dipping into the archive during the holiday week and revisiting the two Sharon Stone episodes. It's a two-parter on Sharon Stone. Highly encourage you to give that a listen, even if you already have. This is worth a re-listen. There are so many details here. It's a very dense story. And if you're into the whole Rashomon thing, we did a completely different set of episodes on Mama Cass that mirror the Sharon Stone episodes. Mama Cass episodes are in the Disgraceland feed. You can check that out. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed that I just mentioned, we've got a new episode on Aerosmith available for you now. And uh, for next week, during the holiday week, the 4th of July week, we have a special two-part compilation episode that we're calling America Fuck Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be titled something else so the algorithm doesn't ding us, but that's going to soundtrack your 4th of July week. That's coming up week after this. So uh, yeah, next week. That's coming. That's coming. All right, check that out. Uh, number four, call me, 617-906-6638. Keep this Badlands convo going. Five, I got to split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from The Godfather.
the Don's office. Johnny, as Tom quietly enters the Don's room. A month ago, he bought the movie rights to this book. A bestseller in the main character. It's, it's a guy just like me. I, I, I wouldn't even have to act, just be myself. Oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Vito Corleone. You can act like a man! After the Don slaps him on the face. What's the matter with you? Is this how you turned out? A Hollywood that cries like a woman? What can I do? What can I do? What is that nonsense? Ridiculous. Sonny enters the room. Vito Corleone to Johnny after glancing to Sonny. Enter. You spent time with your family? Johnny. Sure. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.